Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of Africa's a Country Talk. Africa's a Country Talk is a weekly talk and interview show brought to you by Africa's a Country and we stream every Tuesday. Now, ordinarily, I will tell you that I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Jacobs, but today is not an ordinary episode and our regular programming is being interrupted. Of course, everyone cannot not pay attention to the escalating brutality against the Palestinian people that is being inflicted by Israel. And so today's episode is a response to that and we're doing something a little bit different. And we are presenting today's episode in association with Penn South Africa, who have helped us put it together. And what this episode is going to include is South African writers reading their poetry, as well as reading the poetry and prose of Palestinian writers. And we are extremely privileged and grateful that during this episode, we are also going to be joined by some Palestinian writers who are going to be reading their own poetry and going to be reading their own prose. Now, we wanted to do this as a gesture to amplify Palestinian voices, especially in the literary and cultural realm, which is often overlooked. And as South Africans, we know the despair and suffering of apartheid. We know our rich body of literature that communicates that despair and suffering. But South Africans also know that apartheid can end. And so as Palestinians continue to resist on the ground, we hope that this can serve as a small gesture of solidarity as they dream of freedom. As a Palestinian poet, Mahmoud Darwish once said in an interview, a dream is a piece of the sky found in everyone. We can't be boundlessly realistic or pragmatic. We are in need of the sky to strike a balance between what is true and what is imaginary. The dream is a province of poetry. And so tonight we're going to be traveling to the province of poetry. And on that note, I'm pleased to welcome our chair for this evening. I'm not going to be your presenter for tonight. We are extremely privileged to have Jay Pather, who will host tonight's proceedings. And to tell you a bit about Jay, Jay is a curator, choreographer, and academic. He is a professor at the University of Cape Town, where he directs the Institute of Creative Arts and recent publications of his include such titles as Changing the Metropolis, Rogue Urbanism, Performing Cities, Where Strangers Meet, and many others. So I'm going to now leave you in the capable hands of Jay, and I will see you all later. Enjoy tonight's show. Great, thank you. Thank you very much, William. Uh, for that really, really kind and generous introduction and to welcome everyone. Um, welcome in particular to the excellent writers that will help us navigate the complexity of emotions of this time, of hope and wisdom and pain and loss, memories of past and present struggles, and ultimately thoughts of how we may and can respond and act in the wake of potential paralysis and bewilderment. The tragedy that is happening right now needs no more words of description from me. So just to say that in this exchange, as Will says, uh, we simply hold space for the pain that is being felt right now as a result of unthinkable brutality. And in this regard, we are so deeply honored to have with us artists from Palestine in the midst of so much precarity and vulnerability. 
We sincerely hope that this space provides an unqualified show of solidarity and strength and a measure of comfort and support. This confluence of South African and Palestinian artists comes from a shared experience of the brutalities of apartheid, as Will alluded to, and more specifically, on the power of art and possibilities for social agency in the alleviation of suffering as a result of racial discrimination and land theft. That includes everything from raising consciousness in the face of erasure and misinformation to strategic initiatives and art activism. To take us to that level of consciousness and the nuances of comfort, empathy, and strategy, let's listen to the work of the excellent artists brought together by Penn, South Africa, and Africa as a country. I have great pleasure in introducing first up, uh, Rustam Kazain. Rustam is one of South Africa's most treasured poets. He's published volumes, This Carting Life and Groundwork, both of which garnered the Olive Schreiner Prize, as well as respectively the Ingrid Jonker Prize and the Herman Charles Bosman Award. His poetry has been published in translation in French, Indonesian, Italian, and Spanish. We will go through all the artists and they will offer one offering and then we'll go again on another round and then move into a discussion. Thank you, over to you, Rustin. Thank you, Jay. I'd like to read a poem that is now 25 years old. It has an interesting context, but you know, um, that explains its genesis, but I'm happy to engage in that afterwards. For now, I just want to read the poem as an expression of <clears throat> solidarity with people in Palestine. The poem is called Cape Town, Jerusalem, and it has an epigraph from Edward Said's book, After the Last Sky. The epigraph reads, being on the inside is a privilege that is an affliction because our interior is always occupied and interrupted by others, we have developed a technique of speaking through the given, expressing things obliquely and so mysteriously as to puzzle even ourselves. Cape Town, Jerusalem. Often now, I turn away from things, from jubilance, save that which from a quiet word may grant my moment's wealth. A hometown olive's orchard that shivers in dusklight, the pit bat as fruit fall free to the ground. Or the homeless manic's quiet rage at grace when a shop owner hands him coffee. Most of all, I walk, so I may reach home and try to know myself, so I may turn to work and turn more from the racial rage I need stole in myself, as I turn from the stone's articulate act and seek the sentence to house my tribe, even as I know of neither's existence. These are rages which won't stole, which need thought, but thought fans flames, and action in killing them kills the word yet in my silence there is this rage stole this rage so i turn away from things and read dip into books wait thus for reports from my race 
choose not speech, but sit in my silence, which broods to myself, myself, a self at least, and wait, more thinking not of exile from, whether inside or out, but exile through. How inside the very head, the tongue is exiled through itself, the tongue its own exile. And I turn more away from things, preferring solitude and work to tongue at stories from their silent insides, like an orphan who in a new house senses an old taste and quietly mulls thus a morsel that brings memory darting like a wasp in the head, then withdraws his tongue from probing back to the mute bed, the civilizing cradle of the jaw. Thanks. Um, I look forward to the, the second offering. Our next up is uh, Sipokazi Janas, a celebrated writer and performer. She's co-producer of Hashtag We Are Dying Here, a short film adapted from the stage production, which she co-wrote and directed and performed in. She has performed also alongside renowned musicians and, and is the English poetry editor for the New Contrast Journal. Sipokazi. I think you are on mute. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for having me as part of this conversation. And the poem that I'm going to share now was written as part of a fundraiser for a hospital in Gaza a few years ago. And it was thinking through some things around the body, the scattering of the body, and I do want to apologize for any mispronunciations. How do flowers grow in the desert when buried in sand before budding? A garden that is a grave site without season. Grandparents weeping at the blood seeping from what is left of the pavement and stones blooming in the desert. The body of Palestine is a bouquet and war is at the door. War is the door. There is no door out of this war that is not blown off the hinges, that it is not hanging from a stolen border, a border like rope, a border like string that strangles a bouquet of flowers waiting for spring. The bodies bent in eternal solar are not only praying, there are seedlings harvested in worship, in action, in resistance, making dua in stone and sand and song. Their last breath perfumes the air. Their last breaths are a pilgrimage away from the pursuit of smoke and fire. But haji in a war which does not end, do not return, no matter who waits at home. Others return to a home that has lost its shape plucked brick by brick. What is buried in sand is not a dream of planting or sowing. It is a scattering and trampling. It is to burden the wounded flower with the weight of healing, stitching stem back to root, puzzling petal into place. You who are planted elsewhere in this garden, 
budding in all seasons, knowing rain, who only hear rumors of desert. The sand follows you. It is in your pockets and in your shoes, on your plates, on your heads. It is what takes up space in your bed, on your pillows. It is what you taste when you eat inside your dreams, wondering why you wake into thirst. It makes home inside your throat, asks about the silence which you hold among the graves and the ghosts. The voices of buried petals are in Adan, plucking you out of your sleep. They tire of being planted in bomb and bullet. They cry for spring. They cry for spring. They cry spring. Thank you very much. That was really powerful and very moving. Um, Heidi Kronobaum is next, um, writer and scholar. She's the director of the Center for Humanities Research at the University of the Western Cape. Her writing focuses on aesthetic and social responses to war and mass violence and the politics of memory in South Africa, Palestine, Israel, and Germany. She's author of several books and is co-creator of the documentary film the Village Under the Forest. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you, Jay, and thank you, colleagues and friends. It's an honor to be here in solidarity with Palestinians across the world and across historic Palestine, um, particularly under the bombs that, as we read. Um, I'm reading a poem called After This, After this, West Bank and Jerusalem wore torn and weary. After conversations till near dawn, Kahwe Arabiya, Knafe, and too many cigarettes. After the upside down, inside a hell, that is El Khalil Hebron, where Hashim's nephew had his teeth crushed by a settler who put a stone in his mouth and pummeled his face. After God's warriors occupy roofs and roads, mines and metaphor, after checkpoints and walls and crossings and blockings, tunnels and ditches and bridges, after passing and passing, repassing through Dante's gates, enclosing above and below, closing in, shutting down, shutting up, after the guardians of the gates chew gum, swagger guns, grind bones, spit on men, look alike my daughter, my uncle, my brother. After the grinding, winding road up and down through Hell's Valley, inferno of modern trash, ancient curses, after shape-shifting reality baked hard as the sun, after olive trees ripped from Palestinian lands, planted at the entrance to Jewish settlements, wore trophies of colonial masters. After Bassem al-Rahma was shot in Belaim, flying kites beside the wall to make a point about freedom. Point blank to the chest with a tear gas canister, after rolling the canister in my hand. After thick desert skies, late summer dust, fresh figs waiting, the air exhausted. After sleep gives way to smiles, 
listening in dark nights of morning to the night caller walking the streets of Bethlehem, beating his tabla, chanting the sleeping awake for suhoor, after shoot, short fused tempers and long days fasting, the absence of laughter and children at play, Ramadan in a war zone. After Lubia village, beneath decades and pine needles at South Africa forest, after South Africa forest planted over the rubble of Lubia by South African Jews who remember the Shoah, after Abdallah steady on his shorter leg took us deep in the forest to the makam and the graveyards and wells, after Naim entered the makam and prayed, after passing trees of pomegranates and figs and olives that live, still live, after Abu Samia returns to the ruins each week for 50 years to remember and pray, after wiping out memory for seven years times 10, after the scene of the crime was wiped clear with guns, trees, narratives. After ancient words for modern deeds and pines bought by a thousand thousand white blue pushkas from Jewish homes a thousand lands away. After the patient Sabbath cactus stands watch over stones and rubble, graves and wells. After the Sabbath, like a silent wife waiting the return of her beloved. After this, after this, after all this, there is Palestine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heidi. Uh, another really heartbreaking and moving poem. Thank you very much. Um, I have great pleasure in uh, moving on to um, Basman, uh, a poet from Gaza and a contributor to We Are Not Numbers, a project for young adults in the Gaza Strip, is also a physiotherapist for the Ministry of Health and thinks of writing as a remedy. One of his dreams as a Palestinian is to share and show Palestinians real faces as they struggle and work for their rights. Uh, Basman, over to you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really Thank appreciate you for, it. Thank you for having me. The poem I'm going to share uh, with you is a, is a poem I wrote in the, in the day of the attacking of over Gaza and the Sheikh Jarrah. The poem called Zombie, Vampire, Occupier. Zombies, Vampire, and My Occupiers. I wonder sometimes what is the difference between them. They all feed on the blood and mess with the head. They send their drones to buzz inside my ear, leaving me sleepless with an aching head. In the square of Al-Aqsa Mosque, a soldier stares at Palestinian protesters, his gun primed and ready with live bullets. His eyes are dead, no longer able to see our humanity. He exploits my people from their homes in Sheikh Jarrah, remind, reminding us of our 48 Nakba and starting a new one. In Gaza Strip, they bump everywhere today I sat in my sister's house after the, after the Israelis threatened to destroy my whole building 
and targeted one apartment inside. Three people were killed. Nine children were killed yesterday, sent by the angels to heaven before they could enjoy wearing eats and new clothes. The smell of our blood must seduce them. What is the difference between zombies, vampire, and our occupiers? None. Thank you. Thank you very much, Basman. Um, I hope you, we will hear you again in a few minutes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, our next presenter um, is Mahmoud Al-Shahir. He's a writer and poet who has worked at 28 Magazine for more than four years and was the cultural manager at the pu uh, publishing house Kuta between 2017 and 2018. He received the first prize in the University College Competition for Poetry in Gaza in 2010 and received the second prize in the Palestinian Youth Creativity Competition in 2013. Uh, and he will be translated by Catherine Halls. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Hi, Catherine. <clears throat> now I will start to read it in English. Um, this poem actually I uh, write in day when we attack from Gaza. Ya Sayyid al-Ard, Ya Sayyid al-Ard, Mata ta'adhan bil-raha? Laqad awja'ani hadha al-faqd, wa qalbi munhak, dhakirati la takufu anil nazif. Ya Sayyid al-Ard, تخرب الصواريخ مع المكان تدمر الشوارع والحدائق والبنايات وتتناثر مع الحجارة أبنية في المخيلة وذكريات مع الأمكنة مشاهد الدم على الشاشة أفكر في الكتابة أنظر إلى السياق أنظر إلى ما كتبت الدماء في المجاز لا تهدأ إنها مثل أثر الأقدام يا سيد الأرض من أنت لماذا أنادي عليك يا سيد الأرض لماذا أتمنى أني لم أكن لماذا كل هذا الوجع تفنين This poem um, was translated today so a little bit rushed but here it is in English <clears throat> Master of the world, when will you grant rest? The loss pains me. My heart is exhausted. My memory hemorrhages. Master of the world, rockets blight my present in place, destroy streets, gardens, plants, buildings scatter with rocks in the mind and memories in places. I see the bloody scenes on screen. Think about writing. Survey the surroundings. Look at what I've written. Blood, in metaphor, won't stop, comes like footsteps. Master of the world, who are you? Why do I call you? Master of the world, why do I wish I were not? Why all this pain? Yes, can we read uh, another poem? This is... <laughs> 
تلك الموجة التي الحياة تطل مرتفعة ثم إلى لا شيء تصير كالموج تأتيني التفاصيل تدهشني تسعدني تحزنني تبكيني تخيفني تطرحني أرضا ثم إلى لا شيء تصير أخذت الصبر والأمل وأتتني البصيرة وسمعت صوتا يردد البكاء لمزيد من البكاء الانكسار لمزيد من الانتظار والركض لمزيد من اللا شيء علمتني أن أقف قلت لا تركض بل تمشى وقلت لا تنكسر بل تمشى وقلت البكاء حبل في القدمين كالموج تأتيني الحياة تطل مرتفعة ثم إلى لا شيء تصير Like a wave comes life, looks out from above and proceeds towards nothing, soon. Like a wave come details, bringing surprise, joy, sadness, tears, fear, throwing me to the ground, then towards nothing, proceeding, soon. I've taken up patience and hope. Vision came to me and I heard a voice repeating, crying for more crying, breaking for more waiting racing for more nothing you taught me always to stop you said do not run but walk you said do not break but walk you said tears are a rope around the feet like a wave comes life looks out from above and then towards nothing proceeds thank you thank you Ordinary, Mahmoud. Um, and thank you so much, Catherine, for being with us. Um, we'll come back for another round. Um, so I, um, I look forward to hearing um, another one of your exquisite works. Thank you so much. Um, so we'll go back to uh, Rustam. Um, can, I, can we get, call you on for another offering? The next piece I'd like to read uh, was written in response to the attacks on Gaza in 2014. The poem is called The Wind in the Morning. The man wakes from dream to nightmare, his night-aged knees buckling over rubble outside when he emerges from the black mouth of his house. It's burnt shell, a meager shelter from the wind, now tugging at the loose something and the blight it brings like a scythe through the valleys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let the sun rise if it must. Let it burn through the wind. Let it dry them, eventual white and broken as the earth. His neighbors, the two lovers, charred in copulation on the blackened bed as if they unleashed the starbursts of the bombs that burning burning out their love what's left are the wind-worn harvests the neighbors ache friends unanswered calls 
a mother who cries, who wanders until death among the millions of the unconsoled. We who also wake, but turn away, cowed, unnamed, we whisper only to each other of the murdered and the maimed, single, multiple, mass, the killing fields, the index of our regress back from Auschwitz-Birkenau. Thanks. <laughs> Rustam, that was completely breathtaking. Uh, those images are uh, emblazoned in my, in my brain and some of them in a very unwelcome way. <laughs> so thank you, we'll, we'll unpack those in, in the discussion. Um, Hazi, we'll have your second offering, thank you. Thank you again, Jay. The poem that I'm going to read is a spoken word poem by Dr. Rafif Ziada, who's a Palestinian Canadian poet. And I think it really speaks to the hypocrisy of media coverage. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits filled with enough statistics to counter measured response. And I perfected my English and I learned my UN resolutions. But still, he asked, Miss Ziada, don't you think that everything would be resolved if you would just stop teaching so much hatred to your children? Pause. I look inside of me for strength to be patient, but patience is not at the tip of my tongue as the bombs drop over Gaza. Patience has just escaped me. Pause. Smile. We teach life, sir. Rafif, remember to smile. Pause. We teach life, sir. We Palestinians teach life after they have occupied the last sky. We teach life after they have built their settlements and apartheid walls over the last skies. We teach life, sir. But today, my body was a TV'd massacre made to fit into sound bites and word limits. And just give us a story, a human story. You see, this is not political. We just want to tell people about you and your people. So give us a human story. Don't mention the word apartheid and occupation. This is not political. You have to help me as a journalist to help you tell your story, which is not political. Today, my body was a TV massacre. How about you give us a story of a woman in Gaza who needs medication? How about you? Do you have enough bone broken limbs to cover the sun? Hand me over your dead and give me the list of their names in 1,200 word limits. Today, my body was a TV massacre and had to fit into sound bites and word limits and move those that are desensitized to terrorist blood. But they felt sorry. They felt sorry for the cattle over Gaza. So I give them UN resolutions and statistics and we condemn and we deplore and we reject. And these two are not equal sides, occupier and occupied. And a hundred dead, 200 dead and a thousand dead. And between that war crime and massacre, I vent out the words and smile, not exotic, not terrorist. And I recount, I recount a hundred dead, a thousand dead. Is anyone out there? Will anyone listen? 
I wish I could wail over their bodies. I wish I could just run barefoot in every refugee camp and hold every child, cover their ears so they wouldn't have to hear the sound of bombing for the rest of their life the way I do. Today, my body was a TV massacre. And let me just tell you, there's nothing your UN resolutions have ever done about this. And no soundbite, no soundbite I come up with, no matter how good my English gets, no soundbite, no soundbite, no soundbite. No soundbite will bring them back to life. No soundbite will fix this. We teach life, sir. We teach life, sir. We Palestinians wake up every morning to teach the rest of the world life, sir. <laughs> Thank you. It takes a moment to take it all in. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Sipakazi. Um, uh, next up, Heidi, uh, Heidi Krunenbaum. Thanks, Jay. Um, the next poem I'm reading is um, is by Yusuf Kasmir from his debut poetry collection uh, called "Writing the Camp." Um, Yusuf is from uh, was born in Badawi refugee camp in North Lebanon, um, and uh, Saturday was the um, on the fifteenth of May was the 73rd Nakba Day commemoration and happening in this week of uh, Israel, the incessant Israeli attacks on Gaza and Palestinians in Gaza, uh, on East Jerusalem, uh, on Palestinians across historic Palestine, um, including the occupied West Bank, um, I wanted to honor or to pay homage to the, as Jay said, hope and wisdom, but also the expansive imagination and um, philosophical grounding of um, Palestinian artists and writers, uh, and particularly from the perspective of the refugee camp. Um, this poem of Yusuf Kasmir is called The Camp is Time. Who writes the camp and what is it that ought to be written in a time where the plurality of lives has traversed the place itself to become its own time? How will the camp stare at itself in the coming time? Look itself in the eye, the eye of time, the coming that is continually pending, but with a face, human or otherwise, that is defaced. The camp is a time more than it is a place. Upon and above its curves, time remembers its lapses to the extent that it is its time, the one whose time is one, that preys on a body that is yet to be born. In crucifying time, neither it nor we can recognize the crucified. God incinerate the camp, save the dialect. God incinerate the camp, save the dialect. The incinerator of time 
is the camp. What is it that makes a site worth a sighting when the seer, the quasi-seer, can only use his only eyes for an enormity that no eyes can actually see? Is it the camp or is it, or is it its time that should be returned to its body to reclaim its body as a dead thing with multiple previous lives and none? I write for it knowing that this is the last time that I write for it. Herein the time is last and the last. It may belong to a no beginning, no end, but what it definitely has is its camp. The camp is time and time is the camp. The possessive is what possesses the guilt that transcends all guilt, yet coexists with itself until it becomes an event in its own guilt. But is it, is it my camp? What am I saying right now, in this specific instant and under the false impression that the camp is mine? I say that it is the autobiography of the camp, that is autobiographizing the camp. Suspended in time it is, while we deliberate the impossibility of narration in that context, in order to think of narration, not necessarily its narration. We follow it discreetly in the shape of ash. In time, the mask takes off its mask. The foot that treads is also time. In time, we impregnate time with its time. Time gives birth to nothing. The nothing that is raging nearby is our only time. Time, tell us where your private parts are. Time is the acrogenous of the face. Whenever a face ages, it ages beyond time. In the camp, time is hung like threads of dried okra. Thank you. Home at this time, um, an incredible um, uh, manifesto for what is happening. Thank you. That's really much appreciated, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome again Basman. Basman. Uh, uh, the poem I'm going, I'm sharing. Right now, it's a poem I wrote in 2020 about the feeling of being insulted when people equalize between our resistance and the occupation. The poem title is, Who is the Terrorist? Let's play a game. Call it, Who the Terrorist? Rule one, make it fun. Rule two, no double standard. Same rules for everyone. Rule three, everyone plays by the same rules, no, he no hidden agendas, not like the one it plays today. A player one was born in 1948. He has the biggest gun. In fact, he has gun in both hands. He can kill any many, as many as he likes and ignore international law, yet, he still can claim to hail from the only democracy in the Middle East and is beloved by Trump and his Christian 
accolades. The second player was born in 1987, unnorched with one PP gun. He can only shoot at a spare lance, shout really loud while citing international law, while no one listens. Victory is making the serene sound, not how money you killed or make homeless. Me, I'm tired of this game. I dislike them both. But tell me please, between the two, who is the terrorist? Thank you. Combination of, uh, of dark humor, in fact. <laughs> It was incredible. Thank you so much, Basman. Uh, I have great pleasure in welcoming back uh, Mahmoud Al-Shahir and uh, just to also introduce his um, the translator, uh, Catherine Halls is an Arabic to English translator. She was awarded a 2021 Penheim Translation Fund grant for a translation of Haytham Hill Wadane's Things That Can't Be Fixed and her translation with Adam Tahib or of uh, Raja Alem's The Dove's Necklace received the 2017 Sheikh Hamad Award. A translation of the stage have been performed at the Royal Court and the Edinburgh Festival. Welcome to you both. Thank you. <clears throat> now I read my last poem. كعصفور معلق على حواف النافذة وأنا الملقى مثل ميت من أهل هذا التراب لا خيط يسحبني نحو مساحة بيضاء أشغل فيها نظري القمر يفترش سماء صلبة كغراب على رجل خشبي النسيم يكبلني الوقت يأكل أطرافي كشاقة أخيرة قبل الموت وحيد أنا فوق رصيف المدينة أكتب كلامي البسيط على الجدران المائلة عند السقوط الوقت يأكلنا ونحن الغارقون في الهواء كما الفراشات أيدينا أغصان زيتون قديمة العينين ما سلبته الشمس من الماء نغرق في الفضاء والكل ينهل مما رماه القدر من الروح في قاع الزجاجة ثم نعلو هادئين كعنوان استسلام عريض في الحياة ننتظر الموت خلف أجسادنا لا شيء نخسره ولكن نفتش عن جواب لرصاصة الوجه الأخير لا إجابة لا فراغ لأي شيء غير عين في الظلام وحيد جسدي تأكله الشمس وأنا المصلوب كالطيور على حواف النافذة وحيدا أصرخ ليس في وجه شيء محدد لكني سئمت الرحيل والموت والمواعد الثقيلة في انتظار الخلاص Thank you Mahmoud, it was so great to hear that and it's so wonderful you've been able to be here despite the conditions where you are Here is the English translation I breathe like a bird perched on a windowsill, flung out like one of the people of this earth, dead. No thread pulling me to a white space on which to focus my gaze. The moon settles on a hard sky like a crow on a wooden man. The breeze shackles me, time consumes the edges of me 
like a last gasp before death. Alone on a city pavement, I write my simple words on teetering walls. At the fall, time eats us while we drown in the air like butterflies. Our hands are ancient olive branches, our eyes the water the sun snatched away. We drown in space while everyone drinks from the spirit that fate has slung into the bottom of the glass. Then we quietly rise like a broad banner of surrender. In life, we await death behind our bodies, nothing to lose, but we look for an answer to the bullet of the final face. No reply, no empty space for anything, but an eye in the dark. Alone, my body is eaten by the sun, crucified like birds on the windowsill. Alone, I shout, not at anything in particular. I'm just tired of dying and death and tedious sermons while awaiting salvation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much, Mohammed. Um, to to speak those words in the midst of um, what's happening to you right now is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary time for us to be able to actually connect with the gravity of what is happening. And uh, your generosity in this is, is unspeakable. Um, uh, and uh, we deeply, deeply appreciate this. We really, really appreciate your presence at this time. Thank you so much, and thank you, Catherine. Um, Catherine, I, uh, Amir can't be with us, um, Amir Hamid, but I would like to introduce him, and if you don't mind reading one of his poetry, uh, one of his poems. Amir Hamid is a poet, short story writer and translator whose work has appeared in Beirut Literature Magazine and the New Arab website uh, 2019. He was awarded the Al-Khatan Prize in two categories for his first two collections, Yigi and Ali's Rabbit, a collection of short stories, and I Search for Their Keys in the Locks, a collection of poetry. So um, if uh, I can call Catherine to, to read them. Thank you. Thanks. It's a real shame that Amir couldn't be here. These are wonderful poems. Um, this first one is called Prayer, and it was written very recently during the current war. Lord, with your cloth, wipe the smoke from our mirrors. Extinguish the fire at our windows with your tears. We have no strength not to trust in your mercy. Rockets have broken the bones of our planets. Bombs have shattered the glass of our air. And the fragments lie heavy on our eyes as we hold them out to you, that you may set them on the scales. Uh, do I have time to read a second one by Emir? Please. Thank you. Thanks, Kat. Go ahead. This one is called The Mediterranean Sea. I was a timid child, his father drowning in front of him. He shouted to me from a whirlpool, tugging his soul out of the collar of its shirt to get help. I shook at this proximity, my own name and drowning. His voice each time came back as bats crashing into his body. I was frozen to the spot, my tongue distracted by the salt on my lips. My father was paddling far away with fins gone stiff in the foam and I was departing further in the nets of fisher people who dreamt of returning home with golden fish that tell stories. Then my father came back from the sea without my help, and when he passed me, he avoided my eyes to save me from seeing in his blue face the octopus of his disappointment. Thank you. It's incredible to uh, to have uh, finished this, this round of uh, the poems with so much delicacy and fragility. 
in the in the in the wake of so many so many large um, issues and large emotions and epic uh, movements uh, um, in the in the previous speakers. Uh, so that was a was a really beautiful way um, to to end the collection of poems. Um, I have pleasure in uh, calling upon uh, Rustin now to give us your um, uh, just some overall comments, and we'll call on the rest of the panelists as well, so we could have just a short conversation before we have to finish. Um, yeah, uh, just if there's any resonances. Um, no, of course, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's not much I can say beyond the poems itself, because the poems, you know, are, are full of their own meanings, and I don't want to reduce any of them. But instead of a comment, I have a proposal to make rather, is that I wish, for instance, that we had received each other's poems before this event, exactly. so that we could have had more time to actually engage with the poems. And I am actually, I mean, I'm, I'm actually, uh, would like to see whether we can maybe do that. And maybe Africa is a country wants to host a follow-up session to this, you know, maybe in two weeks' time or in three weeks' time or something. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you know, the, the, the poetry is amazing. I've enjoyed all of the poems. Um, I can't speak about specific issues or themes or resonances in the poems, um, you know, because they, you know, because they, they, they do come, come to us as oral events, etc., and I would prefer to have the texts in front of me. Um, you know, and then beyond that, I mean, I understand this event is an event of solidarity. Um, right. right. You know, exactly. and with and with the absolute terror and violence that is going on now in Palestine, I mean, there's not much one can say apart from expressing that solidarity and to okay. say that as far away as Cape Town, South Africa, for instance, or South Africa, we are here, we hear, and we see. Right. That's right. what I'd like to say. Yeah. And also to touch on spaces maybe in the audience and amongst us, and as you say, probably another, another event that um, both unpacks some of the dense poetry that we've listened to, but also talk through the challenges of um of of the art as um a social agency and then and then what else do we as artists do you know what what are other forms of action what are other kinds of strategies that we you know as as we are uh driven by 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 this work what what other uh strategies do we have beyond beyond the you know beyond the support um so I, i'm going asking, to uh, yeah well uh you know leaving it up <laughs> uh if you if you want an to. open question yeah it is an open question but i think it's also the the, the you know when does this um when as when does our empathy and our understanding and our support translates into any other kind of action that has uh, greater longevity um uh, you know whether it is an engagement with uh, with uh, with uh, you know w w with our different struggles and the kinds of strategies that that informed us because as uh, william said we finally came out of it and 
and what were the missteps of those? And is there anything that, that we as artists offer? Um, but I'm gonna call on the rest of the, of the uh, panelist, Antoinette, and um, let's just um, probe those questions until your electricity lasts, uh, Rustin. <laughs> you have your own challenges. <laughs> Um, I have uh, also great uh, pleasure in inviting uh, Adanya Shibli, uh, born in Palestine in 1974 and holds a PhD the University of East London, published three novels in Arabic and splits her time between Berlin and Jerusalem. Welcome, uh, really great to have you on board as well. Um, so I guess the, you know, the, the idea about taking this work, I don't know, um, Heidi, if you've got any, um, any thoughts about the work that you've you've heard. I, I must say I'm overcome by emotion. Actually, um, uh, Mahmoud joins us. Uh, we listening to his words live, his poetry. Um, it's life and metaphor that come together in a, a, a very disorienting way and. He's sitting under the bombs, and it just—I uh, find that very difficult to respond to intellectually and um, and cognitively, and at the same time want to, um, in a way, mark that uh, it, Palestinian art has been made under these conditions, and or art by Palestinians. I don't want to. I think art by Palestinians is a much bigger gift for the world than to say. Palestinian art um, and I, I would need to like Rustam really engage seriously with the the work that um, uh, that that Basman and um, and Mahmoud and Amir or on behalf of Amir have uh, presented tonight but also um, Sipokazi and Rustam's work um, and of course, uh, a huge thank you to Catherine because a translator is uh, an active co-creator in a process of, of kind of bringing uh, the poetry and the writing and the art um, uh, to an English speaking world or to a world that's um, uh, disadvantaged by <laughs> um, not being able to, to read Arabic. Um, from my perspective. And just to say one last thing, because I think it's really important to hear uh, the incredible guests who are here today. Um, Jay, I think that the, uh, the possibility to engage the imagining of freedom and of life and of politics and of love beyond this condition of permanent war um, is it, we need to we need to be engaging with the work of Palestinian artists um, and I think this is absolutely crucial and it needs to be widely you know Palestinian thinking and imaginings of what life looks like but not under conditions of war only but what really um, under conditions of life, 
will look like. And in in a way, that's the honor I think as South Africans who um, whose artists played a huge role in giving us visions of freedom. Um, and it was poets and visual artists and novelists and filmmakers and sculptors. So uh, let me keep quiet now and, and, and honor those who are on the panel. Thank you. Sure. No, thank you very much for that. I mean, there's just so much to take forward. Uh, Basman, do you want to um, add anything or answer to Heidi? Okay, do you hear me well? Yes. Thank you, thank you. first of all, thank you uh, for having me with you and for the opportunity to share my my poetry and uh, to be with others. Uh, and thank you, Heidi. Um, the issue is, yeah, we uh, like we Palestinian need to keep uh, writing and keep doing this kind different kind of arts. I think art is at the end of the day, it's a kind of resistance. And uh, we need to talk about, like in my poetry and in other, in Mahmoud's and on, on, on also in others, there is, we talk about different aspects of life and this, this different aspects of imagination. So we talk about love, we talk about uh, war, we talk about uh, like uh, getting the border and getting outside. So we talk about different aspects of life. We try to make like a, a complete picture of what is life under the occupation. So uh, I hope that we can just one day meet in person and talk about more and more of what have, what's really happening on the floor. And thank you again for having me. Shimon, um, extensive time and um, and, um, and 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 conversations. I'm I'm sorry. I think I was a little bit cut there. But um, I, I don't know whether uh, Mahmoud, uh, would you like to say something? And you've um, Dania is here to translate. أنا صوتي أدنى كتير عالي بس بحب أشكركم على صداف اليوم وبحب كت على حبيتنا في ال في النضال لتحقيق حقنا في الأرض وتحقيق أرضنا الفلسطيني الإسرائيلي وإحنا بنصديين يعني بنحب وبنتألم نتوجع وبنحب دائما نعبر عن حياتنا تحت الاحتلال أو حتى يعني في حالات السلام بكل الأدوات من خلال الكلمة والرسم والفيلم وكل الأدوات الإبداعية المتاحة. Thank you for having me again and thank you Arnie for this uh, sharing for this opportunity. Thank you Katrina for translating and say my poems in, in English. You can uh, uh, talk Arnie. Yeah. For me, uh... yeah. yeah. So uh, I apologize for the uh, 
loud voice of the more as in but this is part of hearing the ambience in Gaza uh, we uh, we are attached to life and we are attached to every meaning that uh, life has and uh, uh, art uh, the word uh, painting uh, they will always be there for us uh, something that we will insist on uh, not only under attack or uh, during wartime, but also uh, in times of uh, peace, we will live for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. That one that can um, that can be said at that moment. That's just, just absolutely wonderful. Um, I, um, I, you know, the 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 the, the probably a, a place to try to end the conversation is um, is what I was alluding to when we, I was uh, addressing this with Rustam at the very beginning, is that there is the poetry and there is the art that brings us together in a kind of common sharing. And um, and 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 then there is there is the strategy and the activism. And I just wondered, um, and, that, and part of that activism, I agree with you, Heidi, is about Palestinian artists outside uh, outside this this incredibly intense moment to 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 talk to life to talk to life in general and not to be constantly talking in this moment of intensities. Um, but 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 beyond that, I understood you know in the eighties and seventies in South Africa there were there was a double strategy that was there was the work that was happening inside, which was around the pr production of art for for sustenance and for 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 for, for nourishment, and then there was the work of uh, um, activists or art activists around boycotts or around strategies outside the country, and I just wondered about this this double strategy that South Africans uh, worked with and how how we're thinking about that going forward um, within within our within this particular context in and and, and at this time. Um, I I I'm Adania, I'm going to do a terrible thing and 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 bring up something a proposal which you made which I found quite extraordinary uh, when you asked well you know the title of this conversation um, writing is a cultural weapon could not it be writing is a life since um there's so much that is being because that is what is being destroyed i wonder whether you, you want to speak to that about these different strategies and these different temperaments uh well yeah i mean it's um, actually uh in such circumstances, uh, truly writing and art comes as a way um, to uh, teach us how to be able to live again. Uh, because there's uh, every moment that life uh, or the circumstances of life trying to defeat us. Uh, and uh, through uh, art, through writing, I think for uh, me as many other writers, it is a way finding back uh, a, a way to to find our way back to life it is essential it's not about communicating something or uh, telling the world something but it is about really uh, maintaining uh, a practice or almost a way to tell ourselves that yes we can continue maybe one sentence more one book more and let's think about it uh, uh, the rest later 
Right, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, any, any other responses to that question? Mahmoud? Yes, Adani, you're mine. كيف تحس بالكتابة بهاي الفترة كان في نقاش إنه نحاول عنوان الجلسة للكتابة كحياة بدل الكتابة كسلاح ثقافي شو رأيك؟ هلا هي مش يعني تعريف السلاح دائما هو بروح للشيء الفتاك بصراحة الكتابة أبداً ما بتعمل هيك وأنا بتخيل إنه هي الكتابة هي حياة وفضاء للهرب من من هذا الواقع وقديش انا خلال تسع ايام مثلا الاخيره قديش كنت بحس انه التفريغ من خلال الكتاب وممارسه هذا التمارين للكتابه بشكل اساسي سوري اجين بروبس فويس قديش بحس انه التمرين وممارسه هذا التمرين في الكتابه تحديدا بيرضينا على المستوى الشخصي في في الدور اللي بقومه تحت هذا القصف تحت هذا العدوان وقديش بحس انه الفنون هي قادر على ايصال صوتنا اقوى من اي من اي وسيله اخرى فمع انه العنوان يتحول من من فكره الكتابه كسلاح لفكره الكتابه كمسار للحياه في ظل الحرب والعدوان المستمر Yes, the idea of, of a weapon, it has the connotations for me of a destructive force. I cannot dissociate from that. Uh, whereas writing, especially in these present circumstances, uh, under uh, shelling, under bombing, it uh, keeps me uh, of almost finding a different way to, to living uh, and uh, something that is parallel to reality to guard myself and uh, to be able to uh, continue. Thank you. Uh, um, thank you so much, Mahmoud. Uh, Rustam? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's, it's important and it's perhaps a lesson to us as South Africans is to try and not universalize our experience of a particular ethno-nationalist state and use the slogans that we came up with. I mean, as an aside, I think that particular slogan, writing is a cultural weapon, I think that idea of culture as an instrumentalist thing, I mean, I, you know, I, I have my own problems with that thing even before we try and use it as a framing for other people's experiences for experiences in another country and I understand it's important as a as a kind of um, public messaging to draw connections between the history of apartheid and the history of Palestine I think that's important because people know that you know because of that particular story had, had its own morality and you know eventually it became you know it became a a broader message but I do also think that that the history of Palestine is a is a is a is a you know is not exactly like apartheid and you know no one no one can argue that the experience of being Palestinian is perhaps worse I mean you know I, I mean, I, you know, I, everybody hates to draw to, to, to draw up a hi hierarchy of suffering 
or of oppression, etc. But I do think, you know, the similarity is that Palestine is being dominated by an ethno-nationalist state in the same way that apartheid was a power based on a particular ethno group ethnically defined. But I think beyond that, you know, there are things, things have been going on in Palestine, which, I mean, I can't imagine. And I can't, you know, there's no way in which I can see any similarity with South Africa. And part of that, of course, is the, is the absolutely total real military occupation of the territory. Sorry, that's what I wanted to say. It's just, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't imagine that we are exceptional because we experienced apartheid and we came out of it. And because of that exceptionality, we shouldn't try and universalize our metaphors, you know, to try and describe another country's history of suffering. That's what I wanted to say about that writing as a cultural weapon. So I agree, I agree with Adania and Mahmoud that, you know, culture using the metaphor, a militarist metaphor to describe culture, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous about something like that. And, and yet the, 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 the reach, uh, the, the, the gesture of reaching out is a very uh, clear one. Um, and but maybe nuanced by the by the by the by the differences in response at this particular time in in, in within these particular contexts, and and but still informed by uh, by by certain similarities. I mean, there was there was a great deal of uh, uh, one could argue that it was a military state. Uh, South Africa was for. For many 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 decades, many centuries, um, and and but the response is um, is is um, is heavily nuanced about about when does work, when does art serve as a, as a point of touching, and and consciousness, and when does it become uh, a particular strategy for the um, for the ending of um, of that pain and how does that tra strategy translates itself i think this is time for a whole other conversation um uh, yeah, uh a whole series uh perhaps uh, africa is the country will will yeah. will uh will continue this amazing work um to be able to to bring us together to really really probe these nuances to this beautiful beautiful work beautiful art and amazing things that you are doing. So I want to sign off and say thank you, thank you, thank you very much for making this such a rich and powerful event. I wish you all the best, those of you in Palestine, I really, really wish you from the bottom of my heart all the best as you navigate these times. I'm going to hand over to Will now. Thank you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. I just, I mean, I just want to say uh, to, to Jay, who has been such an exceptional host, for this evening and to every single one of the people who spoke this evening, to Rastam Spogazi, to Heidi, to Basman, to Mahmoud, uh, to Amir in absentia, uh, to Catherine for her wonderful translation and to Adania too for her wonderful translation too. I mean, I it's one of those moments where I don't want to speak and I don't want to conclude the program because I feel as if I'm taking up a space that was 
created in a space that I think needs to be protected. And from our end as Africa as a country, we'd want to provide more of a space to Palestinian writers and to give people the opportunity to express themselves. I think what Adania was saying just now about how you know, writing becomes a, a way of affirming life. It's not a weapon, it's a way of affirming life. I'm, I'm reminded of the words of, of Theodore Dono, who was a, a Jewish exile. And what he once said is that for a man who no longer has a homeland, writing becomes a place to live. And I think that's an, it's an experience a lot of us really can't understand what it's like to, to not have a, a homeland as the Palestinian people don't at the moment. So what I want to say is just shukran deeply from my heart to everyone who spoke today. And I'm thinking of Mahmoud and the Adhan that was playing behind him, the call to prayer and how thinking of the call to prayer itself as a, as a form of poetry and how it's not only a call to prayer, but a call to endure. And the Palestinians are enduring uh, and they are resisting. And it is all of our responsibilities watching here today to show solidarity in concrete ways and to ensure that Palestine is one day free. Uh, on that note, I say thank you and 